Welcome to episode 22 of Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And we have survived Snowpocalypse 2021 here in Texas. We apologize for being out last week. Paul and I were without power and without water. So it was a grand old time out here. How are you holding up now, Paul? Yeah, feeling uh, a lot warmer. And uh, yeah, some, some trying time for everyone, really. So glad to be through it. Wishing, wishing everyone else the best out there. Do you feel like you were a little more prepared for the weather out here where it got down to 10 degrees, having lived in England for so long? Or I was probably, your... uh, I was probably three, three deep in Wolves jerseys, one underneath the other. So, yeah. Uh, I was wearing my Grumpy Bear Care Bear onesie, so I was doing okay for a bit. And it's our pleasure today to welcome an extra special guest from over in the UK, Mr. Jason Guy. How you doing today, Jason? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you both? We'll say how are you both. I think I've just heard you've been a bit uh, <laughs> had a bit of snow, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And our state is not used to it, unlike you guys. So <laughs> yeah. So Jason hosts the popular Wolf Whistle podcast where he gets to interview former players and staff. And we've invited him on Whole Lot of Wolves to promote his book, Tales from the Tape. Now, most importantly, proceeds from the book go to two charities, Breast Cancer Now and to the Royal Wolverhampton NHS Trust Charity Neonatal Department. And this is significant because all of this is coming together, Jason. So can you take our listeners back to the beginning and tell them about the journey? Yes, of course. I got married in, in 2015. I'd, I'd met my wife, uh, Lucy, a few years before. and we, we got married in 2015. And sadly, she died just 99 days after our wedding. Lucy was diagnosed in 2013 with a very aggressive form of breast cancer, triple negative, And... She was very brave throughout a fight, never been around her luck, never said, why me? And sadly, some things can't be beaten. Sadly, she, she as I said, she passed away in 2015. And, and just before she died, we decided to, to, to raise some money for a charity called Breast Cancer Now. And the reason uh, we chose Breast Cancer Now, because in the words of the oncologists that was pioneering in their sort of research to find a cure for the illness. Now, I don't know what the statistics are over in the States, but 55,000 women in the UK each year get diagnosed with breast cancer, sadly, killing 11,000. And when we started the fundraising, all we wanted to do was raise £1,000 for the charity. And we managed to do that with the kindness and generosity of people in the first weekend. And today we have raised somewhere in the region now of about £253,000 for breast cancer now. And that's down to sporting dinners, it's down to golf days, it's down to cake sales. Listen, we've done all sorts, but what's been particularly good is the response that we've always got on social media and Twitter in particular, and people have been very generous. And the reason why we support the neonatal department is I recently got married again and my new wife, Amy, gave birth in October last year and our little daughter, sadly, was premature. And we got fantastic help from the neonatal department at New Cross Hospital in Wolverhampton, who do fantastic things and really looked after us. And now our baby girl, Olivia, is four months old and fighting fit. I just think it's such what what you've been through and and what you put into it, I just think it is fantastic. And it's such a reflection of you as a character and an individual to, to come through that grief and to turn it around into such a positive. So 
I think you you often need a, a pat on the back at yourself because I wouldn't know what it's like to to go through both of those what you've been through. So I think it shows a, a, a tremendous amount of courage on your behalf as well, Jason. So I mean, yeah. thank you, Paul. That that means a lot. I think when you get hit with grief or you get hit with problems and wellness, etc., it, it's one of them where you think, how could I ever deal with that? And I understand people who do think that way. But when it's on your doorstep and it's your problem, it's your issue, you have to find that strength to deal with it. And luckily, I've got some fantastic people around me and we sound very lucky. Since losing Lucy, I've met Amy. So I, I like you're quite right, really. I've turned the negative into a positive. Uh, and that's very important that we don't dwell on the sadness, really. And we do look at creating positives and making positive outcomes. So hopefully people if they do have to go down the journey that we've gone through, that I always say, listen, this money that we raise isn't about saving lives. It's about putting five minutes on a young lady's life to spend with the children. And that's why we do it. Tell us a little bit about the, the seeds of the podcast, how that really started. What was the the origins of Wolf Whistle? My sins help. I like to keep busy. So I help run the Wolves All-Stars with Mel Eves, which is a a charity football team of ex made up of ex wolf players that, that play all around the country for, for good causes. And I started helping Mel out, and then I found myself in the dressing room with these heroes that I revered growing up. And there was effortlessly recounting stories and regaling tales from the past. And I, on a whim, really, I just thought, let's document these tales for all to hear. So we started the podcast, and I suppose I put myself under a bit of pressure, really, because. I started doing them weekly and now we've interviewed, it's just been incredible really, the response we've got. We've interviewed over 70 former players, we've had over 50,000 downloads, we've hit pretty much every corner of the earth. I know the podcast is very luckily quite popular in the States, it's been downloaded in Norway, Spain, India, it's gone all over the world and it, listen, I'm humbled with the great comments we get and for that reason that's why obviously it's going to continue and we're going to get as many former players and managers on as we can. So... That's a prolific number of folk that you've had on on the podcast. Was there a particular interviewee that you probably weren't necessarily expecting too much from, but actually it went on to surprise you and was really good for whatever reason? Yeah, I think for me it was Colin Lee. Colin Lee managed Wolves in the 90s. And at the beginning of the podcast, I always say to the, uh, the subject, I always say, listen, I go through the questions with them uh, and I'm quite honest and you probably heard the Jamie O'Hara one. I don't pull any punches when I'm asking them certain questions. And Colin Lee, to be fair to him, he said, listen, I don't want to go through the questions. Whatever you ask me, I will answer. And he said, I'm probably I'm not going to pull any punches neither. He says, because this is probably what cost me my job at Wolves. So now I'm going to basically lay it out bare to you. And interviews like that, it's so refreshing to hear. And to be honest, Colin was absolutely brilliant. Didn't shirk any questions at all. And you come out with some quite revealing stories. And I really wasn't expecting it. And when you get when you get feedback like that and, and, and answers like that to the questions, you just can't wait to get it out there for the listeners to hear. I, that was exactly my favourite one as well, because I think we're of a similar age growing yes. up. And that was being be era of me watching them and early season tickets. And... I was expecting, oh, Colin Lee, nice guy and didn't really do yeah. much. A couple of playoff pushes thereabouts. But yeah, he let go with some oh. some real truth bombs about the, the infrastructure at the time and, and the folk that were in place. Yeah. So 
it certainly raised a few of my uh, eyebrows for me, and it was uh, yeah, warts and all. Certainly, really. Yeah, and and I think I was expecting the same thing with him. I wasn't. It's not that I wasn't expecting too much, but you normally find with the managers they're quite reserved in what they say. And with Colin, he wasn't particularly complimentary about Mark McGee or Jez Moxey. And one of the stories he told was that when Mark McGee lost his job, he was in his office with him, getting all of his desk emptied into bin bags, which is just, you know, remarkable. Then Colin got the job and Mark McGee didn't take his call. And that was the end of that. But yeah, you're quite right. It was very interesting. And even though I get the questions prepped before and do a lot of prep for the podcast, it was still so interesting for me as a fan, because I'm not a journalist, I'm a fan, to hear these stories. I'm as interested in the listeners. Can you pick a favorite guest that you've interviewed? I would say, out of them all, I would say my favourite is Dave Jones. Once again, I do love interviewing the managers, and Dave Jones in particular is one where, uh, as Wolf supporters, we've been out the top flight for a long time, and that was our holy grail for years and years, and we were stuck in the championship for far too long, and we kept falling at that hurdle. So when Dave Jones got us promoted, that was huge. I was at Cardiff that day, and grown men were crying. And what was interesting with Dave, once again, he didn't pull any punches. Sadly, with, with Dave, there was a particular period in his life which was tainted by child abuse allegations, which he was cleared of, which which was when he was manager of Southampton. And obviously, he was an innocent man. But but you know what? Once again, he spoke all about that. His first job after that, Wolves. So he, he spoke about his time at Wolves very fondly. His relationship with Sir Jack Hayward, which was quite opening at times. And there was just so many interesting stories. And, and listen, as a supporter, to hear these stories firsthand was amazing. And, and like I said, Dave Jones was just really honest throughout and, and he spoke about it all. And I just remember being, I actually interviewed Dave face to face because it was before the lockdown. And I was quite nervous, really. And I don't usually get nervous before interviews, but I was aware that, that I was sitting down in front of a guy who had done a fantastic job at Wolves. And yeah, that, that was one that I really enjoyed. to it here and talk about the last win on Friday against Leeds United. It was a nice 1-0 victory. Seemed like we were unlucky not to score several goals, but at the same time we got lucky to score the goal that we did that bounced off the post and then the keeper and then into the goal. What were your thoughts about the the game, Paul? First off, I thought if that was a game that we'd have scored first in, that we'd have gone on to win it quite comfortably. In in the first half, we those couple of chances that Semedo had, I thought he was looking phenomenal in, in that mm-hmm. first half. I thought if one of one of those had gone in, I think the way that we were set up versus the way that Leeds were set up, I thought it was fairly open. Still not wholly convinced. A few twitchy moments, defending set pieces. We've seen very oh. deep the saves Patricio was making that were instinctive. A couple of yards either sides, and that that, that was a goal or two there. I thought we were a little dicey with those, but yeah, I thought I thought a lot of positives that we could take, particularly from that that first half and. I'd probably say it was more of an even second half. Maybe they shaded it, especially with uh, Costa's chance. And it was millimetres with with Bamford in his offside call. But really, 
the linesman gave it and the, the VAR, they confirmed it. So technology worked as far as that goes. But yeah, balance of play. I, I think there was plenty of positives and uh, another stepping stone that we can build on in this gradual improvement that we see. What were your thoughts, Jason? I'm what they uh, deem as a happy clapper. So I always try and take the positives out of every game. And listen, I get pelters on Twitter for it sometimes. I'm what The brand of football that we're watching now with the manager that we've got is the best that I've seen in my lifetime. And you know what? I know supporters in the 70s who say exactly the same thing. And we're very lucky. Obviously, just going back to the Leeds game, I thought there were some very good individual performances. I think Rui Patricio had... One of his best games in a wall shirt yes, um, yeah. and just incredible. And you know what? But he's been good from the start. Rui, for me, that's the reason he's got so many caps of Portugal and, and played in so many major tournaments. So you always know what you're going to get. And listen, Nuno knows a goalkeeper because he was one himself. Leeds were always going to be a tough entity. And that goal, yes, it was probably more luck than judgment, if you like. That's Traore for you because with Adama Traore, He's a lot more consistent than he was. You still don't know the Adama Traore you're going to get. That guy can change a match. He can be a match winner. He can just turn a game on its head. And it's a moment like that, obviously, which we needed. We've now gone through a good run of form. I think that there was a set of fans on Twitter who, some of them ridiculously, in my opinion, were calling for Nuno's head. And my message has been clear from the start with that. Be careful what you wish for. You've only got to look at the debacle, what's happening at some of the other clubs in the Premier League when they keep changing managers. And you look at Wolves' history and changing managers is not the answer. What Nuno has done for the club is absolutely incredible. And listen, he'd come to us when we wasn't doing great. And if he's going to have a bad patch, we've got to stick by him. And if that's the worst that can happen, we can take that. But yeah, important win against Leeds. And that's three very important points. Jason, what do you think? Because now this was the second game where we've seen Adama and Neto switch sides. And that really seemed to give Southampton and then Leeds some problems because, yeah, Adama wasn't going straight for the byline. He was cutting in a little bit more, and Neto seemed to be shooting a lot more from that side. Do you think that's a change that's here to stay? 100% in terms of Adama Traore, it's sometimes difficult to see his best position. We've seen at Manchester City last season away when he scored those two fantastic goals and won the match for us. And that was down the middle. And is he a central player? No, he isn't. Not really. As a wide player, once again, he, 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 he sometimes be a world beater. He can beat three players, get a ball into the box, under Raul Jimenez's head 1-0. But then there's other times we've seen him get crosses and that they haven't hit the box. What was interesting, like you said, when they swapped sides, obviously he's a predominantly right-footed player. He was cutting more and more onto his right foot, and obviously that's what uh, that's where the goal culminated from. Uh, a player I didn't mention earlier, uh, quite right to point out, Pedro Neto. What a player he's, by the way. Once again, a very astute signing, and that's why, listen, I think all Wolves fans could agree that we hadn't heard of Pedro Neto before we signed for the club and what an incredible talent. And I think one of our biggest challenges at the end of this season is going to be keeping on to that young man because he there's going to be some big clubs swooping like vultures for him. And for me, he's so effective. And I think when he first came into the team, he did take it. It was a bit of an adjustment process for him. But now he, he really does look like an established Premier League player. And he's only 20. 
That's I mean, that's really you see that that's my argument with Fabio Silva. Now, once again, I've got pelters about this for criticizing Fabio Silva, and I'm not one, as I said, to criticize players. But my argument's been there's a player there who we've signed for 35 million, rightly or wrongly. Yes, he doesn't set the fee. But even if Wolves are paying that sort of money, I would expect that player to be ready and called into action when needed. He doesn't look, for me, personally, in my opinion, he does look way off the pace. And then you look at it, that Pedro Neto is two years older and he pretty much looks as good as a finished article. And listen, it's all right saying Fabio Silva's one for the future. Football is an impatient industry. People aren't going to wait two years for players to come good when they've spent that sort of money. And my fear is if they put him out on loan to gain experience and he doesn't do it, what then? Listen, nobody more than me wants to see Fabio Silva come good in a wall shirt and score goals. But until then, I think he's going to be, due to the price tag, which he didn't set, he's going to be under increasing amounts of pressure. Paul, who would you say was your man of the match? We've all pretty much touched upon Patricio, obviously, mm-hmm. but... What Jason meant uh, earlier about individual performances, I, th- I thought you also saw a lot of those dotted across the pitch as well, like Samada in the first half. And another advantage of what those inverted wings brings is a little bit more solidity to the centre of the park. And again, I thought Neves had a great game, doing all the hard work and leads to this trumpeted team of they're full of running, but... I'm pretty sure there was another stat at the end of the game that he got the most miles in on the pitch. <laughs> so that's the calibre of player, again, that we've got on, on our hands with, with Neves. And he people forget that he's rapidly turning into one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. And we've got to take the blinkers off a little bit that he's up there scoring all these worldies, volleys and everything. That's not necessarily aim anymore. He'll get into the positions, great, but his job is that down and dirty defensive midfielder. And whilst I too want to hold on to Pedro Neto (laughs) with everything that we possibly can do to do it, another one's Neves because those types of midfield players are, are hard to replace. And there's at least two teams above us in the league who are are going for Champions League places that he'd easily walk into. So I think that's going to be another one for the summer as well. We've struggled this year, especially when Raul got hurt. But after that win, I thought it was a very interesting stat that I saw. Compared to this point last year, we're only two points behind. Did that come as a surprise to you, Paul? A little, yeah. It has been doom and gloom, but... These seasons are are, are very cyclical and it is up and down and it does seem a long time ago, but not really that we'd started off this season and had the best start since wherever. So we've just had this peak and valley of a season and it just happens to be that valley's the worst that we've had in terms of those losses in December and January. Where we are now, we've not, apart from the start of the season, we've not really had that run together of playing well and and putting back-to-back wins together. The next two games are pretty tough, but the way the rest of the season opens out, predominantly it's the teams that are below us. So there's a good few wins to be picked up there, I'm sure, and the whole dynamic of those games is going to change week by week, depending on who gets dragged into a relegation battle, who gets safe and are just playing the season out, who really needs to play for points or who's 
coming to park the bus. So I, I think we could be running into form at just the right time. And maybe those top real top half places are a little out the stretch, but who knows? Every, at every point in this season, we've said it's crazy. It's unprecedented. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if we put a crazy run together where the season could end up? Jason, you said you're more of a glass half full guy. Where are you expecting at this point Wolves to finish in the table? I, I just want to very quickly just come on to a point that you two guys have alluded to in terms of watching Wolves at the minute. Now, what's interesting is obviously you guys, have, have, if you're not in the UK, and I'm sure you'd be coming to matches, you're used to watching it on TV. Now, a lot of Wolves supporters are used to being in the stadium. And what's happened is now it's a bit of a switch where all of a sudden, Every time there's a decision, we see six angles of it. We see replayed four or five times. So now we're all these armchair pundits and we've all got a massive opinion and we all want to voice it on social media after. And I think that's what it's that's what it's turned into for us, really. So it's a very frustrating time to watch Wolves. But what I will also say is part of our results and part of the problems have been the fact that there aren't supporters in the stadium. And I do firmly believe that because with... <laughs> That, that interesting stat you've just made, that I, and I didn't know that, that we're two points behind this time last season. I'm pretty convinced then, if that's the case, if we would have had uh, a full stadium at Molyneux for 20-odd matches, then that's the difference now between the points tally we've got currently, and I'd say add 12 to it, and I really mean that. And it's easy for other supporters to say, you know what? Uh, it's the same for all clubs. No, it isn't. Why West Ham fourth in the league? They're yeah. fourth the league because they haven't got the pressure of playing in that cauldron with all them supporters, giving it loads when, you know, they go down to an early goal. So my, back to my point, if it was full stadiums this season, I think we'd have seen a different Wolves further up the table. Right now, it, listen, I think if we finish this season in the top half, that we've got to put that down as a good season. When there was a bit of talk of relegation recently and, oh, we could go down and all these people panicking and that, listen, there's nothing to worry about. There's a good five or six clubs worse than the run we've had. So I'm not concerned about that. But if we finish in the top half, we've got to class that in these unprecedented times as a good season. Yeah, I'm still not ready to say they can make a run at seventh place in Europe. Again, but I definitely think top half is looking a little more viable, which is great because, like you said, we've had bad form for a little bit. And let's be honest, we've been missing the best player on the on the squad for a few months. But April's schedule looks very nice. There are a lot of bottom teams that we're playing. So I think April's going to be the key months there. Oh, completely. And that could be could be a good time to, to start pulling away from, from the middle of the table. Look, I'm not expecting Europe this season by any stretch. And I think, we, once again, we've got to be realistic. And I think we've also got to be realistic in our anticipation of Raul Jimenez coming back because he's had a very serious injury. And you, look, I'm hoping he's the player he was. Of, of course I am. But I think we've got to be a little bit patient with him because that is a huge injury to come back from. But listen, we know what he's capable of on his day and he's one player that we have missed hugely.
Next up, we head to the Northeast on Saturday to play Newcastle. So we're going to hear from the opposition again, and we're delighted to welcome back Newcastle fan Alan Yanez from Toon Army, Baltimore. Alan joined us in Episode 7 to preview the first fixture between our sides. Alan, how's it going for you? Eh, it's going fresh. We're re- uh, I'll say we're recording this right after the Man U Newcastle yeah. game. Fresh zero points uh, yeah. for our trip down to Manchester. Good times. Yeah, I don't know. You guys, I'm sure, are well aware. We got off to a decent start, and we have slowly been reeled back in. So yeah, again, Newcastle in a relegation battle. Surprise. Here we are. When you mentioned that, it's down to a three-point difference <laughs> between you guys and Fulham for yep. that last spot. Is there some pressing need at this point to get some daylight between you guys? Obviously, there's probably some nerves between you and the rest of the Newcastle fan base. Uh, there's been a pressing need as that gap started to slowly close. There was a pressing need, if you want to get real down to brass tacks, about two years ago when they appointed Steve Bruce. Uh, I think that was the big glaring need was not letting Rafa go, and here we are. So I think from a lot of us it's expected, at least the Baltimore contingent that I speak with day in and day out. We saw this writing on the wall even last year when we stayed, when he got through a decent season and kept us up. It was a regression of the lads who had been with Rafa and and brought that system into the fold. And I'm okay with Bruce changing systems. You know what I mean? He there was this whole kerfuffle with changing systems, and he said the players did. He put it pointed it at the players and said the players didn't want to change. But at the end of the day, he's the manager. He makes he calls the shots. We got Graham Jones in, made a bit of a system change. Obviously, that has helped us a little bit. We think we've put in decent halves, which is not exactly what we want, but we're getting there. So I still think I've got a little faith in us ultimately staying up, but we're a little adrift right now. And without solid leadership, it, it hurts us. It's crucial to all of this, Alan, is goals and Callum Wilson that provided him throughout the season and seemed a real astute sign-in, that number nine striker doing everything that was expected of him. So how is his absence going to be overcome? That's going to be the kicker. I don't know. Right now, I don't know who it is that is going to fill that role. Nobody's filled it yet in the, what, last three games, two games, whatever, he's been gone. So that really hurt us. That was a shrewd piece of business, like you said, in, in the summer. I thought it was fantastic. It was one of the, This was one of the few windows in the Ashley era that I think most fans were like, we strengthened. We got better. We didn't let go of anybody ma- you know, major. We got b- better as a squad. And to see us regressing with a better talent pool is what really drives us crazy. So I think it's got to come from St. Max. It's got to come from Almiron. You'll get Dwight Gale, I think, firing. It's The problem is he's a great poacher, but without with the, the style that we play where we're absorbing a whole lot more pressure, not playing on that front foot, he lacks getting decent delivery. And then you write Dwight Gale off because of that. If he's not getting the delivery, he's pretty much useless. And Andy lumbering around, he only gives us 10 minutes and there have been a few times Bruce has introduced him, I think, a little too late or a little too early. He still has the capacity, I think, to make a little bit of an impact against the right back line. But, meh, like I said, you only get about 10 minutes out of Andy. So it's a real shot to the foot. The hope is that Almiron, who played very well today, and St. Max got on the board today as well. So hopefully it's them two that fire us home. But shaky days for us, for sure. So you mentioned Almiron. I actually was listening to the XM broadcast of the game today when I was out and about, and they were talking about how they felt he has not been worth the money 
that you guys paid. Obviously, that was a record amount to Atlanta United after they mm-hmm. won the title to get him. How do you feel about that? Do you feel he's been worth the money so far? I think, what was he, like 20-some, 21, 22? 21, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I think for a player of his caliber in the market that kind of exists in the Premier League, no. I can see why somebody would say that because I guess the goal return hasn't been exactly what you expect. But likewise, he's not a striker. He's so he's a winger, more false nine if you want to try him that way. But yeah, like he's he's not he's for me, he was not brought here to be an out and out goal scorer. That's what we got Callum Wilson for. That's what we should have probably tooled up with a couple of other strikers for. Uh same with Joe Linton. If anything, Joe Linton was the waste of the, the signing. Something that I think the fan base had said, even Rafa had mentioned prior to him leaving, even though I hate going back to talking about Rafa, but he was like, Listen, guys, that's he's not worth forty million. Somebody decided to spend forty million on him, and that's where our goals have not come from. More more so than Almiron. Almiron has assisted and worked his socks off and done what many intelligent Newcastle fan would want from from a player of his caliber. So no, overall, I'm not disappointed. Sure, more goals would be nice, and hopefully he needs to find them here the tail end of this year, but I'm okay with it. I didn't put too much credence in into it because in the same discussion, they were making jokes about Nelson Semedo, our right back, and how awful he was for the price. But I was curious to hear your opinion on it. So yeah. what are your lineup predictions for Saturday? <laughs> Anybody in particular that we need to be wary of? I think it's the Almiron and, and St. Max show. It's really, I think Manchester United actually today did a very good job of, of isolating St. Max for the first about 20 minutes. So you didn't see a whole lot of them. Almiron kind of ran a little rampant and had his, some good chances. So it's pick your poison. But I think those are your two guys. And to cover both wings is, I think the way we have developed with Graham Jones and we've switched to that diamond in the middle, it has forced a lot of teams out and to be expansive, which we were very compact, it's easy to play around us previously. Now we we press the game a little bit more and we force it on you. So those are your guys you need to watch out for. We're still lacking end product in the middle. So that's always our concern. But I think we, you guys also have the pace and have the, the ability to keep us honest with those two guys on the flanks. I'd like to see Ryan Fraser get a start with Almiron and with St. Max. I know it's a little... Attack heavy, classic Jordy asking for us to play 10 attacking players and a goalkeeper. <laughs> so I think that's really your danger areas. I'm, again, nervous of you guys. I'm not confident at the moment. I think our load gets lighter after you guys. Fingers crossed, the point will get us where we need to be. But I think you guys are a clear favorite, especially in our run of form, of course. We don't do good as clear favorites, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That's why I talk. That's why I had to speak it into uh, existence. Yeah, speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I predict, we do predictions each week, Alan, and they're completely terrible. So you might have <laughs> just been jinxed yourself again. So you should have said that, yeah. I, I always just live. I assume that the imp- the upcoming 90 minutes every game day is just purgatory. I'm just... <laughs> In the middle, and then what's going to happen? Oh, God, so they scored on us. Surprise. We can't yeah. keep a clean sheet. Oh, we didn't score again. That's not surprising at all. So it's uh, it's been rough. Like I said, I, th- I think the fingers crossed is I think there might be a team worse than us. Maybe not right this moment. <laughs> a month ago, I was like, there's definitely three teams worse than us. Now, absolutely not. I definitely think we are in it for real, unless we pick up a, a nice little string of results. I think Fulham's obviously the guy's with our eyes on him. Scott Parker's got him firing, ex-Newcastle guy too. We see them at the very last day of the season. So in my 
Newcastle experience as a supporter, this is lining up perfectly for a a very ugly last day that could be very heartbreaking for us. But uh, honestly, if it's the catalyst that sends us down, that sends Mike Ashley packing, and we come, and, it, and I don't think we come right back, so be it. You know what I mean? It's terrible to say that. I think any mindful Premier League fan would be like, Newcastle supporter has gone to the depths of, let's just, if that's what it takes, let's just do it and get it done. But it's there, man. What else can we, what else can we do at this point? Unfortunately. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> you guys are doing great. Uh... <laughs> hey, better than us. You're staying safe. But yeah, man, it's been interesting. And it should, it'll be an interesting run out here. But I think I've got a little bit of faith that we could stay up. The question is, if we tank another couple more against very beatable teams, we are in real trouble. We have some winnable matches coming up. We have West Brom. These are points that should be on the board for us. And I think a nice, it's going to be a low point total that keeps you safe. Honestly, I think lower than we most people expect. So yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. I think we can do it, but who knows, man. (laughs) Newcastle always seems like it is an ugly, low-scoring game when we play them. Are you expecting more of the same, Jason? Yeah, I think Newcastle, once again, they're they're such an inconsistent team, and they've got that many problems off the pitch. It's a club that always seems to me in a bit of turmoil. When you play a club like that, listen, you never know what you're going to get. Look, I'm confident it's three points for Wolves, especially with the way we've been playing recently. But listen, we'd take a 1-0. If we scraped a 1-0, similar to the way we played against Leeds, we'd definitely take that. I think that's what I'm leaning towards because what I picked up on watching their game versus Man United today on our broadcast over here is toward the end, they kept on going on about points to safety and from this point forward the teams down there really need a point a game they're looking for and that put a little bit of dread over me he's going to try and park the bus at home thinking oh he can get a point against Wolves and that'll be a good result so I think we need to be wary of that that they're probably going to be just as defensive at home as they were when they came to Molyneux early in the year So if we can get at them in that first half and score an early goal and make sure that they try and come out against us a little bit more to try and attack and get an equaliser, that's where we could pick them off and maybe get two or three and make it a comfortable day. That first goal, I think, is going to be crucial. Do you feel like the lineup that we saw against Leeds is going to be the main lineup until Bali gets back? Um, Yeah, yes, I do. Um, The... The strange thing about Wolves' defence is the defenders effectively could all play mid, apart from Bolly, who's the only real recognised centre-half there, they could all play in, in, in midfield as well. It's an interesting point as well that you make about Ruben Neves being the defensive midfielder he is. I always said that when we signed Joe Martino, effectively Neves is the sorcerer's apprentice, and I think Joe Martino has made a fantastic career about being uh, a good, strong Solid defensive midfielder. Once again, over 100 cats of Portugal proves that. And I think Neves really is is learning off the very best. With with regards to this season and the the lineup, etc. Yeah, I think that there isn't still that much depth. And we can see that by looking at the bench recently. So I think think Nuno does know he's starting 11. I think he does tinker with it for certain games. But I think he does know 
his starting eleven that he wants to keep? I think it's a case of, of him back in his generals and the likes of Moutinho, Patricio. He's going to stick with them through thick and thin because they're, they're his guys, they're his lieutenants. So now that he's got that team that's been settled and really those, all of Nuno's years up to this point, he's always been a very reserved manager in terms of making tweaks to the lineup. It, that I think the first Premier League season that we had maybe the first 11 games went unchanged. So he's always liked to have that consistency. I just think he's been out of his hands this season in particular. So I think while he's got it and it's working and there's no real need to change it, he's, he's going to stick with it. But as you say, Jason, the only thing is there's not that necessarily plan B on the bench really till Podence gets back. And I don't think there's really a timeline on that at the moment. And yeah, the, the like-for-like like up front only really seems switching out Willian for uh, for Silva. That's where there, there, there's some issues at the moment, I feel, in terms of the, the squad, ne- not necessarily the first 11. Do you feel like Willian has taken steps back since coming in early, or is it still a matter of just learning his teammates and where they're going to be and them learning as well. It felt like Neto on one of his shots, if he plays in Willen, it's a tap-in. Yeah, William Jose for me, listen, I didn't know anything about the player when we signed him, but he does look quite a similar player in his style to Raul Jimenez. Clearly not as effective and not the player Raul Jimenez is in in the position he, he plays almost. The frustrating thing is, once again, he is under enormous amounts of pressure to get his first goal for the club. And listen, once again, it's it's like Silva. I want to see these players score. With with William Jose, I did see uh, YouTube videos of him, and it, look, he looks a hell of a talent. Yes, he's I think he's twenty nine now or twenty eight, twenty nine. So listen, there is definitely goals in him, but the problem is at the minute. Once again, football's not a patient game. Wolves aren't a patient club. We need we, we do like to see our goal scorers score. We've had a history of great goal scorers over the years. And there's nothing worse for us Wolves fans than, than when we get one. He doesn't hit the back of the net. I think from what, what I've seen and a couple of examples really is the penalty in Arsenal. <laughs> that was, he was thrown goal. That, that, that was a goal. And you'd have backed him every day of the week to, to slot that away. I'd have said that was a goal. Neto last week against Southampton. Fantastic individual effort. But guess who was waiting on the six-yard line to, to tap it in if it was a cutback? He was there. So I think it's a case that he's going to get into the positions. He just needs those chances. And for a big guy, and what's been pretty frustrating for me for the whole of the season, is the set pieces. And what he needs is someone just to drop a corner on the six-yard line for him to attack and bullet in the back of the net with his head. I just wish we had a, a bit more wherewithal when it, when it comes to those corners, especially that we should be doing more damage when it comes to set pieces because type of opportunity, I think, a guy like William could do well with. Just put the ball in there and see what we can do in the air. So now let's go for our predictions. I would like to brag. I did get the 2-1 Southampton score correct. So that should have helped me in the standings, right, Paul? I think so, (laughs) yeah. It's a little bit more closer, yeah. (laughs) So we'll start with you, Jason. How are you feeling in the game? What's your prediction? 
Uh, I think, like I said earlier, I think it is going to be. I think it's going to be a close game. I, I'm going to go for a, a one-nil Wolves, and I think we'd be happy with that at the minute. And I'd like to see either the goal scored by uh, William Jose or by Fabio Silva. Yeah, I think uh, that'd be good for everybody all round. By the way, real quick, I like the fact that you are properly pronouncing his last name of Jose because if I hear any more Jose's on the broadcast, I'm going to scream. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. The reason I know that is because I've got a greyhound called Jose. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only, the only way I know to pronounce it. All right, Paul, what's your prediction? Yeah, I, I'm going to forget about trying to jinx myself and jinx it and predict a loss <laughs> to get a win. So I'm going to stick to that 2-0 win where we get the first goal and then they come out and try and attack us and we pick him off on the break. Interesting. You'll enjoy this. My wife and my brother-in-law, they can't stand Newcastle because they feel like they play dirty. So going off of that, I'm going to have to say a nil-nil draw. I, I think Newcastle, to me, is just... And they're just one of those teams that parks the bus against us, and then with us running a five-man back line, which I think is the smart thing to do. I don't see scoring. If there is a goal, it's going to be maybe on a PK. Hopefully not on a set piece like the last time we played Newcastle. Okay, Paul, what social shout-outs do we have this week? That's right. Whether it is London, New York, Paris, Penkridge, or another of the world's cultural capitals, let us know where you tune into the podcast from. Again, you can do this on our Twitter or on our Facebook page. Chris Wood in Columbus has done this via Twitter for this week. So hi to Chris. And he was also one of a number of listeners who were in touch last week to ask how are we getting on in light of the winter storm here in Houston that forced the cancellation of the planned show. So we were really appreciative of all of those good wishes from the pack. We're closing out here, Jason. Can you let our listeners know how they can get themselves a copy of your book? Yes, Tales from the Tape is available in all good bookshops and bad ones too. You can get it on Wolves Online Store. They've kindly had quite a few copies off me. I've also got a website running, talesfromthetape.co.uk, and you can buy it from eBay as well. Uh, I can't believe the response we've had so far. We've sold just over 700 copies in, in a fortnight, which is absolutely incredible. So, yeah, so... Your best bet is probably the Wolves online store or, or eBay. And a whole lot of Wolves will actually be giving away a copy of one of those 700 to one lucky North American listener. All you need to do is email us at hello at wholelotofwolves.com and simply let us know where you listen to us from. The only contest rule is that you must reside here in America Canada or Mexico to win. And again, that email to enter is hello at wholelotofwolves.com. And with that, listeners, we thank you for your continued support. If you're listening to us for the first time, please subscribe, like the share it, 
Also, if you can, give us a five-star review across your podcast listening platform of choice. This helps us a ton with our exposure. We will be back again next week to review the Newcastle game and then a quick turnaround into an obviously tricky doubleheader of Manchester City and then the Villa. So in the meantime, continue to stay safe out there. Look after you and your pack. In Nuno, we continue to trust and up the wolves.